All right, now here with me to kick off tonight's show is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. You can visit Tom this winter at his home at Crown Colony Golf and Country Club in Fort Myers. He's also built a great indoor facility at his home in Naples with all the latest technology and gadgets. If you're not going to be anywhere near the west coast of Florida, but you still want to get a lesson from TP, download the V1 video app and send Tom videos of your golf swing, and he's going to help you improve that swing through the app. You can also send him a question through his website, TomPatry.com. Be sure to subscribe to his newsletter when you're on that site. Tom is also a member of the Titleist Leadership Advisory Board. Has his own show on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time over on Instagram Live with a tremendous guest list, including Cooper Manning, coming up in a couple of weeks. And it's always fun having TP here with me on Next on the T. What's up, my friend? How are you tonight? Christy Boy! <laughs> I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss that for a couple of months, TP. Every every Tuesday gets me going. How are you, my friend? You can call, you, you, you can call me on Tuesday night, so I'll do that for you. No problem. <laughs> I didn't make that into a ringtone. Every time I, you call me, I, that should be what I hear. Exactly. <laughs> TP, update us. I I know you're uh, you may t- you're taking a little break for uh, for Turkey Day and all, but update us on how things are going at Crown Colony and what's up with you there. Chris, I'm calling you from beautiful downtown Key West, Florida, down here with Mrs. and uh, we're on a little hiatus for about four days. But uh, Crown Colony's been fantastic. It's uh, you know I, I've never been happier. My, I'm honestly I've never been happier in my life. Felt more welcome. It's uh, it's been just a great start. Great start, Tom. I, I know Crown Colony is a private course, but for all those folks that are that are up north, that may be just coming back down to Fort Myers or the Naples area, and and uh, they're interested in joining a course, talk about what what the facility is like there at Crown Colony, and and for those folks that uh, you know are living in the area and may not be aware of what a beautiful facility they've got there, tell everybody about it. Yeah, you know, because it's a it's a really uh, very natural layout. A lot of estuary, um, a lot, a lot of wildlife on the property. Uh, it backs up to the Hendry River, not far from the Gulf of Mexico. Um, I, I honestly didn't know much about the place before I started negotiating the job. Uh, I've been really pleasantly surprised at the mission of the place. It's fantastic. It's a really, it's not an easy golf course. You got to drive the golf ball really, really well. And, uh, it's it's challenging. It's it's not it's not an easy track, but really fun. Uh, past town greens. The day I left, actually, before I came down to QS this week, they're rolling at thirteen five. Port um, wow. Open superintendent does an incredible job. Nice practice facility. Uh, really really nice clubhouse. Nice membership. Nice group of people. Um, Tim Knowles, the head professional. David Kent, the GM, or class act. I, I'm telling you, it's it's a, it's a really like kind of a hidden hidden jewel. I just I had no clue. I really didn't. I'm really really uh, really really very very over the moon happy about that. So. And Tom, for for folks that are jonesing for some Tom Patry and get to get lessons from the master, talk about the indoor facility that you built out over the summer and what they can come see when they come visit you at that new place. Well, two two things, Chris. Uh, I, I, even though even though Crown College is a private facility, I can teach non-members based on availability. Um, they can get in touch with me directly to schedule. And then my home facility, uh, I built out last year during COVID, obviously, and the craziness that was going on and continues to go on. I built out the really nice studio in my home 
I kind of gutted the three-car garage and turned it into a uh, indoor, indoor studio, including, you know, body track, track man, uh, V1 video, flat screen TV, all the toys, all the bells and whistles. Um, it, it really turned out much better than I thought it would. And I've had people over on a pretty regular basis in the evenings, actually, after I get done teaching Crown Colony for some evening work, as well as on Mondays on my day off. So I do some private instruction there as well for people who don't want to drive to Fort Myers or want a more private setting and want, and want all the bells and whistles. Tom, let's, let's switch gears a little bit. And the last time you joined me on the show, we were looking ahead to the Masters and the idea that Bryson DeChambeau was going to destroy the course record because, as he said, Augusta National was a par 67 for him. So if you look at how he performed, he was about 18 over par based on his standards and then had some excuses for why he wasn't feeling right and all this and that. So things didn't exactly go as he had planned. Give me your thoughts. Talk about uh, Bryson and tugging on Superman's cape that is Augusta National. Well, as you know, based on our last discussion, Chris, I'm, I'm kind of over Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not, um, I'm not a fan. I'm just not a fan. I, I think that, uh, you know, you keep your mouth shut and you play golf and, and you let your, you let your scorecard take, take care of the talking. Um, I think, um, he got a little bit ahead of himself there, obviously, didn't he? And, and I guess obviously wasn't a par 67 for him and there's more to the game than driving at 400 yards on occasion, um, to, to play championship golf. Listen. You can't take anything away from the way he played at Wingfoot. He was on that week. It was his deal. But nobody's on every week. And and, and you're right. Nobody should pull on Superman's cape. And Augusta kind of bit him, uh, as, it, as it should have. And, and maybe he'll keep his mouth shut a little bit and just play golf and, and let the chips fall where they may. And, TP, let's talk about the opposite side of that coin and, uh, coin and what we saw from DJ. And what he did, you know, and as the opposite of what Bryson didn't do, we saw DJ be the first guy to reach 20 under par there. Thoughts on what you saw from DJ over those four days? Well, well there's, a, there's a perfect comparison, Chris, because DJ doesn't really say very much, doesn't beat his chest a lot, just kind of shows up and does his thing, drives the ball a long ways, drives it in play, but also has a much greater command of his short irons, his distance control is exquisite. He putted the ball beautifully and managed the golf course, you know, backed off when he had to, stepped on the gas when he had to, really did a great job, I think, from a course management standpoint and an emotional standpoint. Um, I think I think he put an absolute clinic on for four days um, and, and rightfully so won the golf tournament. And, Tom, you know, a lot was made prior to the final round about, you know, DJ's challenges with losing some leads in, in final rounds. Were you worried at all when uh, when he went, he went out and he didn't birdie two, he bogeyed four and five, put it in the bunker on seven, uh, you know, lead went from four down to two. It started to feel a little bit shaky for me. I started to like, uh-oh, uh-oh, we could, we, we could be in trouble here. Uh, but then obviously right the ship and went on. But were you were you concerned at all about what you saw from him at the start of the, the final round? I don't think people realize because how I think the two hardest things to do sometimes are to play with a big lead or to play in front of your home crowd fans. You know, if you're in your hometown playing in an event, playing with a big lead sometimes is harder than playing with a one-shot lead. In that you know you're you're almost overcautious, don't want to make a mistake, and 
and all of a sudden somebody goes on a birdie run and closes the draft from five to two, and you kind of feel it, you know. But I, I think he did a nice job riding the CF. I think the bogey he made it. I'm sorry, the birdie he made it six into that back right pin was was fantastic. Um, I think I, you know he, he never really looked like he lost his cool. He kind of stayed to his game plan. I think uh, I think Austin his brother did a nice job helping calm him down a little bit. Um, I think he's got an awful lot of firepower, realizing he's got 13 and 15 on the back nine. Uh, you know, I, you always got to worry when, when the lead slips down and starts inching in on you in a major championship when you have some history. But I think I think that was a defining moment for him, Chris. I think he really kind of got over a big hump there. You know, that one that one major championship at, at Oakmont was kind of was almost like you know a little bit of a curse versus a versus you know a plus. Um, he needed that second major. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets on a little bit of a roll now and he doesn't win, you know, somewhere between six and ten in his career, even though he's 36 years old. He's fit. He's long. He's got great, great distance control. And he puts the, puts the ball. His wedge game has really come a long way. Puts the ball beautifully. I, I think it, I think it might have been a big turning point in the guy's career. Yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on that, Tom. Now that he has sort of put that second major, right? Now he's sort of on, you know, he backed it up, right? When you get one, you wonder, you know, is, is this something that he's going to be able to get two, three, four, five? But now that he's got two, is your expectation that he gets, you know, six, seven, eight, ten, like you mentioned a moment ago? Now, now he really gets on a roll? Chris, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, he comes out in November, she's 20 under there, and there's one right around the corner back there at Augusta in April. Um, you know, listen, he's got, he, I don't see a lot of weakness in this game. Since he started hitting the ball left to right off the tee, he's done a tremendous amount of wedge, wedge work in terms of his distance control. I think Austin's done a great job with the green reading as far as that team is concerned. I don't see a lot of weakness in this game. He's powerful. He's very, very calm. Um, he drives the ball beautifully now in a long ways. You know, it wouldn't, Chris, it wouldn't shock me at all if he got on a little bit of run. Out of, you know, Brooks Kepka, you know, that kind of little three to five year period where he goes on a little bit of a run, that wouldn't shock me one bit. TP, we talked about Rory's chase to complete the career grand slam there at Augusta National. Ended up finishing tied for fifth. He finished inside the top 10 now every year from 2014 to 2020, with the exception of, of last year in 19, where he finished tied for 21st. But do you think he's eventually going to get that win at Augusta National and complete the career Grand Slam, or, or is the course a little bit in his head now? You know, it, it almost reminds me a little bit of Sam Snead, Chris, you know, where he, he had all those near misses at the U.S. Open and never finished the, the career Grand Slam himself. Um, you know, he's certainly got plenty of talent. He's certainly got plenty of length. He, he, he's got all the shots. He seems to be very inconsistent on the greens. Um, he, you know, he's had a couple of lapses there with a really, really painful at Augusta, as Sam had in the Open. You know, it, I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet the house on him winning at Augusta. I wouldn't. Not, I, I don't think he. I'm not saying he can't win at Augusta. I'm not saying he won't win at Augusta, but I wouldn't be putting a big part of my check on it. You know, my my my, my salary on it. You know, at any time in the near future, I, I'm I'm skeptical. Tom, what about what we saw from some of the past champions, guys like Larry Mize, Mike Weir, Bernard Longer? Longer and Mize are obviously in their 60s. Those guys both played 
really well. Longer finish tied for 29th, which, oh, by the way, was better than where Bryson and Tiger finished. Talk about the performances <laughs> we saw from them. Yes. Funny you bring up, Chris, because I, I played golf with Larry Mize in college, and he's a wonderful guy, and, and he did it for one round, certainly, but Langer did it for four rounds, you know, at 63 years old. You know, I, I've walked around Augusta since changes have made. I know you go every year. You know, that golf course is close to 7,400 yards long from the back, and, and Langer hits it about the same exact distance that I hit it right now, and I've stood on the back of some of those tee boxes and thought to myself, how would I even make a par? Let him make any birdies out here, and and to go four rounds out there, and 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 listen, he's hitting he's hitting lumber into some of those par fours. He's, if not lumber, he's hitting hybrids, and to go four rounds out there and do what he do what he did, and then on Sunday, teed up with the Shambo face to face, head to head, and not only beat him for the tournament, beat him beat him face to face, head to head in the last round, um, being outdriven by somewhere between seventy and hundred yards on every on every tee box. The guy is an absolute freak show. He's a phenomenon. He's, uh, you know, how can you not admire Bernard Langer and what he's able to do with what he's been able to do with his career, especially as a senior golfer and, and at Augusta National. Just an incredible performance. I don't think, I don't think it's being talked about enough. And just to switch gears a little bit on you, Chris, the most incredibly mentally strong performance I've ever seen is a player making a ten on the twelfth hole of Augusta. And then birding five out of the last six holes. I don't think anybody in the world has talked about what Tiger did after making ten on number twelve and then made, and, and going on that birdie trot coming into the house. Unbelievable to be that mentally strong to turn that around and walk to the next tee and get on that roll. Yeah, and, and so let's take that a step further. What does that teach all of us, junior golfers and the rest of us, about? not just kind of throwing it away. Because I think a lot of us, and I'll raise my hand on this, if I had just made a 10 on a hole with you know six <laughs> holes left to play, I'm probably going straight in the tank. Like, get me out of here, right? I'm, I'm starting to think about where's the, where, where's the uh, beer girl, right? Give me, get me a beer. Let me just, you know, kind of finish this thing out and go home. Tiger doesn't do that. He goes, and, and to your point, birdies five out of the last six. We talked a bit about this on the show last week but i think the lesson in that is tremendous for what he taught us after making a 10. you know i've always looked at i always tell people chris i look at golf as 18 games you know people you know how many people and you included me included you know we shoot 36 on the front and 41 on the back or 42 on the front and 36 on the back and we can't put two nines together well, I, I always teach people that, you know, that, are, that want to compete, my, my college players, my junior players, my, my professionals that I coach, golf is 18 games. You play game number one, it's over. You play game number two, it's over. You play game number three, you try to do the best in each game. And, 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 and you have to compartmentalize that. That is an absolute, incredible performance by Tiger Woods to make a 10 in front of the world. Let's keep this in, in perspective. He did that in front of the world, world watching. Walks from 12 greens to 13 tee, rips it down the middle, makes birdie, and then doesn't birdie 14 and should have, by the way, and then birdies, you know, 15, 16, 17, and 18. I mean, come on. It's just, it's incredible. It's absolutely mental fortitude. The guy is an absolute amazing specimen of a competitor, and, and my, hat's, my hat's off to him. 
Tom, I want to get your thoughts on another guy that we watched do some incredible things there at Augusta National, Kid Cameron Smith. He becomes the first player in Masters history to shoot all four rounds in the 60s. In his last three events, the kid finished 11th at the CJ Cup, tied for fourth at the Zozo Championship, now tied for second at the Masters. And if you go back to 2015, finished tied for fourth at the U.S. Open at Chambers Bay. But one of the things I was particularly struck by when I was watching him is he always had a smile on his face throughout all four rounds, at least for every, every highlight and every hole that I saw him play. Give us your thoughts on his performance. You know, Chris, I think that's a great point. I, you know, I, I've watched Cameron Smith play once or twice in my career uh, as an instructor and didn't know that much about him. But after he was in the hunt after two days, I kind of did a little Wikipedia on him and did some study on him. And uh, he's very quietly had a very, very nice career. He's still, you know, still got a lot of years ahead of him. Doesn't drive the ball particularly long. Isn't particularly high in any one stat category, except his short game numbers are really, really pretty pristine. And uh, um, he did a wonderful job managing the golf course. He putted the ball beautifully. He, you know, he kept himself very, very light out there. Had a very good attitude on the golf course. Um, very different approach from Tiger. Uh, very, very different approach from Bryson. Very, very different approach from a lot of people. He said, you know, it's a, a much more happy-go-lucky. He seems like he really enjoys playing golf. He enjoys competing. Enjoys being out there, and is very grateful for his chances. Um, I think you'll see more great things from him. He's a he's somebody you can really root for. He's he's easy to pull for, man. He's he's really really fun to watch. Tom, I want to switch gears and get uh, some playing lessons from you for for our folks now that are you know in the northern part of this country or anywhere around the world where it's starting to get cold. And it's hard to play, and we're we're maybe started to get relegated to being indoors. So for all of us that that aren't currently in Key West, Florida, but talk about some drills that we can do to kind of keep our golf swings in shape, so we don't end up with a whole bunch of rust when it uh, when it starts to get warmer out and we get towards the spring. What can we do over the winter? Great question, Chris. So I guess the number one thing you can do is during COVID, because I don't want you flying is if you're in the Northeast, 95 South to Fort Myers. 95 South to Fort Myers, come see me. That's the number one tip to get better this winter. Second tip after that is I think you need things to do indoors. Um, putting mat is something I've put in my own my own office in my house. You know, I come home from work every night. I flip on the TV. I do a little work in the office. And I, I always make sure before I go to bed, I, I you know, I spend about 25 or 30 minutes hitting some putts. Um, I, I, I love the orange grip. Uh, I, I send the orange grip usually every morning and every evening in, in the in the studio in my garage at the house. You've got to be doing things that keep you in motion and get you attached to the motion. Not that you have to be super mechanically specific, but you make swings every day, whether it's a weighted club or an orange grip. Uh, you've got to hit putts. You've got to create you know some field drills you can do for short game. Um, if you've got some place you can hit balls indoors or in a heated in a heated situation. You've got to have some live action on a summer regular basis. You can't, you know, the orange group is great indoors. It does nothing replaces live action. So whether you have a dome nearby, if you're in a cold weather climate, whether you have a heated driving range nearby, whether you can put a net in your garage and, and, a, and a mat in your garage, you've got to have some live action too on a semi regular basis, meaning let's call it once a week, once every 10 days, aside from doing any indoor drills. You've got to make motion. You can't get, you can't put the clubs in the closet. You can't put them away for the room. You cannot do that. 
people that do that, Chris, come back when the weather breaks, you know, April, May, and July before they really get their golf game in shape again. Uh, besides doing those kind of things, you got to be doing some stretching exercises. you got to keep your body limber. It keeps some pliability and flexibility. You cannot get stagnant. So one other thing, Tom, as we, as we swing the orange whip, that, that can certainly help us, um, you know, keep the swing kind of going, kind of help us from a driver, you know, long iron perspective. As your mantra and the thing that you have feed into my head over the years and to the head of your listeners over on Instagram Live on your show, short game, short game, short game. How do we keep that short game going over the winter as well? See, that's the hard because that's that's easily the hardest thing over the winter because you don't have you know a putting surface. Um, that's that's why I go to perfect practice in terms of a putting mat. At least at least I'm putting the golf ball. But from a short game standpoint, that is the single hardest thing to do. Um, if you can, if you can, and you can even have a piece of carpet in your house, and you can put a uh, you know a beanbag chair or a pillow up against the wall or 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 some kind of quilt or, or thick you know thick covering, and you hit little chip shots up against something that will deflect the ball and let it fall onto the ground without damaging anything in the house just to make a little chipping and pitching motion. The problem, you know, and that's not bad, but the problem is you're still not, still not referencing a specific distance control, which is what short game is all about, controlling distances. You know, that's the hardest thing, because I really don't have a great answer for that unless you're in a dome setting or a heated, or heated range setting um, or some, some, kind, some kind of indoor practice area you can have access to. That's the real catch-22. You can handle putting. You can handle full swing. The in-between stuff is really difficult. Tom, before I let you go, you do an outstanding job on your show. Again, Thursday night, Instagram Live, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Folks, be sure to tune in because Tom's a fantastic host, and his guest list is also wonderful. Um, I know you're off this week for Thanksgiving, but you've got a great lineup coming back after that. Remind our listeners about who you've got coming up on the show. Yeah, my, my first my first person back after after Thanksgiving week, I believe it's 12 3 because that's a Thursday. I think I got that date right. Is Cooper Manning. He's the third Manning brother, one you haven't heard much about, the brother of Eli and Peyton. Uh, Cooper is, a, uh, is actually an oil trader in New Orleans, um, but had a severe medical issue on his way to playing wide receiver at Old Miss. Um, we're going to talk about what that issue was and, and never really played it down in college. After setting um, with his brother Peyton, which still holds through today the Louisiana State uh, record for pass, passes in total yards and touchdown catches in the state of Louisiana, a wonderful athlete in his own right. And his son, Arch, uh, who is now a high school sophomore, has already thrown 65 TD passes and is being looked at by virtually everybody around the country. So we have a lot to talk about. He's a passionate golfer. He's an incredibly positive human being, considering what he's gone through his life medically, um, a, a real inspiration, uh, and, and a funny, funny guy. So I'm really looking forward to having him on the show uh, right after Thanksgiving. And, Tom, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing, whether that's uh, following you on on Instagram and on social media, plus your website as well. Well, Chris, you know, the website is TomPatry.com, and social media, two Facebook pages, Instagram, 
uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, the whole, you know, all those social media platforms. And then, uh, of course, my website, like I said, TomPatrick.com, where you can sign up there for my quarterly newsletter. And then, you know, bi-weekly, I'm on, a, on an incredible podcast called Next on the T with Chris Mascara, which, which I'm privileged to be on, uh, you know, by, you know, twice, twice a month with the greatest podcast host in the world, bar none. <laughs> TP, I appreciate you, my friend. Um, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for taking a little bit of time away from your night there down on Key West. You're the best, my friend. I, I'm looking already looking forward to our first show as we kick off uh, 2021. This is our 44th show together, so we will kick off number 45 at the beginning of next season. But in between now and then, my friend, stay safe. Happy holidays to you and the missus. Look forward to catching up soon. Chrissy, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. I love you very much. You're, you're, I, I think the world of you and what you're doing, and uh, I really mean it. Sincerely. You're the best in the whole world at what you do, and uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be on with you as much as I am. I, I'm really grateful to be with you. Well, I'm blessed to have you, and the love goes right back to you, my friend. Take care. Stay safe. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, pal. Good night. See you, TP. That's the great Tom Patry, folks. Tom Patry, P-A-T-R-I. TomPatry.com is the website, at Tom Patry Golf and at Tom Patry uh, on, uh, on Twitter. But, folks, I'm telling you, that Instagram live show, TP is one of the great hosts that you're going to see and hear anywhere. I, uh, I can't encourage you enough to check out his show, and the, his guest list is absolutely top-notch as well. So a, uh, a finer individual than Tom Patry you will not find. And uh, I love that guy. He, is, he has been everything to me here on the show. What a wonderful uh, instructional guest, right? Every other week, like Tom said. Uh, but on top of that, ten, uh, TP is 10 times a better person. So uh, I, like I say, I can't, uh, I can't encourage you enough to go check out his show. Go check out his website and then uh, sign up for lessons. Now, look, if you're not going to get down to the West Coast of Florida, go on the V1 video or the, uh, yeah, the V1 video app. And select Tom as your instructor and send him, you know, videos of your golf swing. He's going to make a lot of improvements for you. Help my golf swing. Goodness knows. Uh, he's made a world of difference there after just, you know, a couple of, you know, instructional, uh, opportunities. He came back and showed me what I was doing wrong. And, uh, it's made a world of difference in my swing. So it's going to do the same for you. Look forward to catching up with, with, uh, Tom again soon. And like I say, in between now and next season, folks. Go over there and tune in Instagram Live, 8 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, you're going to really love his show.